Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick five and drags it down now. Long we open. What a goal! What a goal! McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson. Douglas again. It's there. And here comes up. Chance goal! Welcome to the Hand and Roar podcast. This should be an enjoyable episode around 24, almost 24 hours after the event of Norway 1, Scotland 2. A sensational away day victory for Scotland. Snatched from the jaws of defeat, as they say, Lyndon Dykes and Kenny McLean popping up in the final couple of minutes to send us all absolutely mental and give us three wins from three at the start of Euro 2024 qualifying. I am your host, Andy Barge. Andy Lang from Alba Mater and Gordon Shear from the Tartan Scarf are with me. I'll come to you first then, Andy. You're sitting there with your 78 Scotland shirt, is that, on at the moment? It is, yeah. Yeah? Yep, yep. Looking, looking color, brilliant. So. Uh, well, yeah. Um, tell me uh, just quickly, where where did you watch that unfold last night and what are your reflections on it a day later? Uh, oh, Thanks. Nice to be here. Nice to see you, Gordon. Um, I'm. I, I think I've been permanently smiling. Like, well, I woke up and the first thing my wife said to me was, "We beat Norway two one." <laughs> just absolutely tremendous, man. I watched it in the house uh, with uh, my wife and and kids, and um, it was just to share that moment together. Like, honestly, it's just because uh, Scotland's been a real glue for us last few years or so, all my girls come to the games now and uh, it was just, I, I keep saying it can't get better than this and then it does so, <laughs> incredible man, absolutely incredible Gordon so you said uh, you were doing a pod, I had to pause and, and join you oh, 100% and I mean we, we've looked forward to a few pods before Gordon, Shield, you, you've been present for most of them, for example um, after Serbia, after 2-0 against Denmark this is up there, surely. I mean, Tom English's headline on the BBC website is is pretty good and, and sums it up. Erling Haaland upstaged by Scotland's act of escapology in Oslo. Yeah, just wow. Absolutely wow. Just just when you think this team under Steve Clark, I've shown you all the different ways they can amaze you, impress you, confound expectations. They found new, find new ways to do it. And I mean, we have to now be getting to the stage where we shouldn't be surprised by this anymore. You know, I mean, I was seeing today that we're now, we're a full calendar year unbeaten in competitive games. That's incredible. I think six wins and one draw. And we just keep, we keep pushing boundaries of what, of what, what can be expected from this team. And it's just so pleasing to see. It's just so, so pleasing to see. I think, you know, what, what, what's given me so much pr- pleasure is watch those celebrations back. 
after the goals last night and you see it's not just the players that score, it's not just the players on the pitch, it's the management, the coaching staff, all the subs, used and unused, who are going absolutely wild on the touchline. And that just speaks to the the collective unit that Steve Clark's created. You know, the fact that so many of those players were happy to give up a week of their holidays when we know how tight the, the football calendar is this year, every year, happy to give up a week of their holiday to go on a pre-camp in Spain just to get more time away with the Scotland team. And that's what happens. That's what you see the results of that on the pitch. And it's just really, really, really pleasing to see all of it. The, there's a really, in fact, before I get to this, I'll quickly just run through the the group and the lay of the land at the moment. So Spain aren't playing in this international window because they have the Nations League finals to deal with. So Spain have still only played, will still have only played two games in this group by the time we've played Georgia on Tuesday. So at the moment, it's slightly lopsided in terms of games played, but we are top with nine from nine, goal difference of plus six because the only goal we've conceded has been a penalty, which we'll come to. Uh, scored seven, so we are in the rosiest of rosy positions. Georgia are second at the moment, played two with four points. Uh, Spain played two with three points. Norway, crucially, played three, one point, and a terrible goal difference as well, minus four. Cyprus are rooted on no points. So the Twitter account, which is very good, actually, We Global Football, um, they kind of smack their heads together and, and crunch the numbers. We They, they say... We'll have more details shortly, but wanted to get this out for the Scotland supporters. We give Scotland a 95.64 chance to qualify for Euro 2024 directly, Andy Lang. That, that is a situation I cannot <laughs> in my lifetime after a handful of Unreal, games. Isn't it? Yeah, it's, abs- it's, it's just madness. Like I, To hear it laid out like that is uh, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, it's crazy, but it's so it's crazy, but it's not right. So, like, we're delirious with excitement and joy and everything. But like we've been saying, because um, I know you guys, and I know I know what you've been saying about it. But this isn't a surprise to us anymore. That Scotland are quite good, you know. Like Steve Clark's put this team together over three years. I think I texted you in the WhatsApp group, and I was like, I mean, can you certainly when I started Alba Matter, I don't know about you guys, but with a pod and then Tartan Scarf. But when I started Alba Matter, we'd just been studied 4-0 by Belgium. Um, you know, it was like Russia or battering us. It was, you know, the big boy up front, Juba or something. It, it, we just looked a mile off where we are now. A hundred miles. I, <laughs> uh, and now, like, mathematically, 95% chance of, of qualifying directly. Um, and and we're, we're worth it. Do you know what I mean? Like, well worth it. Like, as you say, they, they, that's... I mean, Haaland dived to win the penalty. Let's just say it. But uh, our goals were incredible, man. I mean, that second goal is as good a goal as mm. attacking goals you're going to see. Um, every single player played it to perfection. Now, uh, I, th- I, thought, I thought Andy McTopp... We'll, we'll come to that just now then. I, th- I think that McTominay... It was generally pretty quiet. I felt that we didn't actually have a great game uh-huh. when we got when we got into the Norwegian half. Fellas, Gordon, you can come in on this as well. I felt that we were we defended well. It was a kind of classic Steve Clark style. We restricted the opportunities that they had. They only had three shots, as far as I can remember, or as far as I'm aware. One of them being the penalty, and we mm. had barely any chances as well. In fact, I saw something on BBC. Here we go. Scotland. This was at one nil heading into the final ten minutes. Scotland have had just two shots in this match, their lowest total in a game since June 2016 in a friendly against France. And yet we've come away winning 2-1. The the, the pivotal moments, Gordon, what, what do you reckon about this? So I think Norway taking off Haaland was an admission of victory. Uh, I think that feeling like they might not have needed him on the pitch anymore speaks to the way that they felt the game was going and, and would ultimately conclude. And also the changes that we made. Um, I'm not really. I'm, I don't really have a very tactical mind, but we switched to a back four, and we seemed to be able to progress up the pitch a bit better. Granted, for the opener, we were given a helping hand by Ostergaard's terrible first touch, which allowed Dykes to to steal in. But we pl- we actually played through the lines and ultimately mm. scored from it, which which we didn't really do throughout the match. 
um, until that point. McGinn was pushed a bit further forward and McTominay really came to the fore in the final five minutes. The driving force for the second goal, mm. um, collecting Armstrong's pass, but also it was him who got things going over the halfway line um, for the first as well. He, he's he's having a really, really strong impact at the moment for Scotland. Goals in the last camp and then stepping up when it matters here. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think I think I, I said this through the game that it was a very it was a very June fixture, if that makes sense. I thought the first half was just both sides were fairly below par, fairly low tempo. I thought, which I, I found surprising, given how, as we said beforehand, obviously Norway needed that win. They absolutely needed to win that game, and I thought they they were pretty low energy, to be honest. They had created about one decent chance in the first half when the header that Angus Gunn saved comfortably it was straight at him um, and I think I think defensively we knew that we just had to be pretty sound we knew the onus would be on us to sort of contain and uh, cut off the supply lines to Haaland, you know, he only had a handful of touches in the first half so I think we did a good job in that on that basis um, and then yeah obviously once we can see the penalty and once we go behind obviously the game changes and really you feel like the game did turn on those two triple substitutions and you know I was reading a little bit of using Google Translate to see into some of the Norwegian media coverage this morning and you know oh, you, they were saying you do that too Gordon absolutely absolutely <laughs> and you know <laughs> they were very much very critical of the manager in the three players that he took off they said they completely killed killed their team from a, an attacking perspective I think you're right Andy that they, they were probably starting to look ahead to Tuesday night uh, against Cyprus and then the three changes that Steve Clark made you know he's as we said he's built this team that they know what they're doing they know how to change from one system to another they went from the three at the back to the four and it completely changed things and while you're right we were fortunate with that opening goal with the heavy touch but I mean I've got nothing but admiration for for Lyndon Dykes in that move I mean he must have run himself into the ground all game in 30 plus degree heat but in that minute well, you've got three Norwegian defenders all looking at each other, looking at the ball. He's the one that's busting his gut to run through and not just to get to the ball, but the way he finishes that chance is really underratedly good. You know, I think we, we, we all think about Dykes as, you know, something of a tap-in merchant. He's the guy that maybe pops up in the six-yard box and finishes a chance. That's a really difficult skill to be able to sort of contort his body, wrap his foot around the ball and play it back across his body to go past the goalkeeper to wrong foot him. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, and then, Sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, no, no. I, I, and, and then I was, I was just going to go on. The, the, if if there was a slight bit of fortuitousness in the first goal, the second goal is, good Lord. I mean, we've, we've, we've spoken a lot about the mentality of this team and it's just how impressive they are. You know, Andy, you're, you're, you're referencing back to the, the early days of Steve Clark's reign when, you know, we went 60 minutes in Moscow without conceding. We concede one. 50 minutes later, it's 4-0. And that that's a team that were fairly fragile mentally that when something went against them, they'd fall to bits. Whereas last night, we score that equaliser. I said before the game, a draw would be a fantastic result. The Scotland players are savvy enough to know Norway need to win here. They take kickoff. They throw everyone forward, pump a long ball. But we're savvy enough to say, right, we can counter straight away. It's literally 30 seconds after kickoff, we've scored our second goal. Like, that's not just the technical ability of that second goal, because every bit of it, the crossfield pass, the cutback from McGinn, the tee-up from Dykes, the finish from McLean is sensational. But it's just that mentality of thinking, yeah. they're going to be at their weakest right now, we can take advantage and we can win this game. That's yeah. amazing. The, the, the shift in momentum was so severe. And I wonder if, when we equalised, the boys knew that they then didn't, maybe this is too simplistic, but they, they, they then didn't have to contend with the, the fear in the back of their minds that we now need to stop Haaland from scoring a winner. Yeah. They'd, taken, they'd taken him off. Yeah. You know, th- there was going to be mm-hmm. no response from their big man because not, in my opinion, the Norway manager thought, okay, we've got this wrapped up. We can now you know, take, take our foot off the gas. In fact, if you watch the first goal again, if Dykes didn't get it, McTominay probably would have latched onto that. Um, That's incredible. He was, he was, he was yeah. right behind him. And if you watch it, again, anyone listening to this, give it a watch. Look at how easily McTominay breezes past Odegaard, Odegaard when he was running into the box. Yep. Odegaard, Odegaard had just completely given up. I don't think he uh, even had entered his consciousness that Scotland might equalise here. 
So he's ju- the, the ball yeah. is deflected off Ostergaard's foot and Dykes is about to get there. At that moment, McTominay just strolls past Odegaard, who is barely jogging back to try and help his defence. Honestly, mm-hmm. the Norwegians just absolutely crumbled. And to have the the composure from McTominay's crossfield pass, McGinn's ball back across, and Dykes is perfectly off and in the finish. Every mm-hmm. every single one of those players kept their head at a critical a critical moment to go and win the game. It, it wasn't just, you know, blood and guts and thunder. There was a tremendous amount of technical skill involved Aye. at the moment that we carved out for ourselves as well. And Kenny McLean's right peg, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, as for standing on his whole career, and then he goes and does that. And it's just, it's caress into the corner, like, Oh man, but see, just on McTominay, I think I said to you to, to talk, and I know you've spoken a lot about him, but I'm just going to quickly do it again because see, McTominay's professionalism, I think I put out a tweet and just said his professionalism because I don't know what else to call it because he's had so much crap to, to overcome. Like, it's well documented his growth part, and then he had to change position, learn a new position, and then, you know, it just seems to be really unpopular amongst the Man United fans for reasons best known to themselves and okay he's do you know I've always just felt like he's 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 got so much to give and I'm so delighted for him um you know last time out he was our our best player over those two games you know despite Gordon you said he played about what 120 minutes across and this time round I just thought his energy will come good you know like the, the way he dedicates himself to his craft every day and does these incredible 5k times and you know like when you when you hear the Man United players talk and I don't really like Man United but I, you know I like Scott McTominay so I'll listen to this stuff they always say that he's the best trainer they always say that he's the fittest they always say that he's you know the, the one who works hardest in the gym and I think moments like that show you like see when he breezes past Odegaard I'm totally with you Andy he, start, he plays the wee ball through the lines to John McGinn who turns beautifully, plays a ball, Kate, doesn't work out. How on earth is McTominay there to knock it in if Dykes it? Do you know what I mean? He's made up that time and I'd, I'd, it just breezes past people. I think that's the best way of putting it. And then for the second goal, just to, you know, the ball's broken up and then it, I think, I'm pretty sure he, he plays it to somebody and then he gets it back from them. It's Joe Armstrong. Armstrong um, clips him in, yeah. Aye, which the, the whole redemption art by Armstrong, there we go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. You know, like he, he plays a lovely wee ball. McTominay just, like we see him do these cross-field balls. He's got lovely technique. The way he strikes through a moving ball um, and McGinn at the back post, you see everybody just, I, th- I just think we, we thought it was a goal before it happened. Do you know what I mean? It was almost like slow motion. It was just like, this is in. This is this is in and then it was in and then pandemonium you know just yeah mental i will um i will i will, I will say I, I don't know if you guys saw there was a i think it was sky sports in germany they had this sort of fan competition where it was a bit a bit, a bit, a bit like the the fan fan zone thing they, they used to do in england uh where they had two sets of rival fans for a Bundesliga game and they had to watch their game live but they had to be watch it in complete silence and if they made noises they'd lose and they wouldn't win the prize at the end and that's effectively what I had to do last night because my seven-month-old was asleep upstairs. So I had to celebrate both goals in complete silence, which was <laughs> a brand new experience and unbelievably difficult. But good... No, I don't envy you. Really? I, watched it, I watched it in the record factory in Glasgow's West End and it was absolutely chaotic. Absolutely chaotic. I was away. I was part of a stag do last night. In fact, Lewis Irons, um, who listeners of the pod should be familiar with, it was his home stag do and we'd booked a table in Record Factory to watch the game and oh my God, it was just absolutely mental. Brilliant, brilliant scenes. I actually think, I posed this question, I can't remember if it was on the Hamden Road chat or not, but since since Griff, I think that's the biggest rush I've had um, seeing us turn around a game like that. I know we've had Marshall save Adams against Denmark and McGregor against Croatia and all that, but McTominay against Israel, I I think that is probably the biggest rush I've had since Griffiths three kicks. Don't know about you guys. Yeah. Um, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no. I, I would, I would say that the only one that I would 
put it on a par with since Griffith's free kicks would be would be McTominay against Israel. But that was simply because we were all there. We were all at mm-hmm. hand and and that's obviously got the special magic of it being sort of one of the biggest, one of the first biggest matches at Hamden post-COVID. So that's got its own special level of mystique around it. Mm-hmm. But you're right. And, and I think in terms of like the actual standard standard of opponent, the importance of the match, the fact it's away from home, the fact it's in June when generally we suck in June. Like, <laughs> yeah, last night, last night probably stands alone. Yeah, and the uh, fact it's two goals in a minute, just unreal. Yeah, here, here's here's a stat for you. The only other time Scotland's men have won a match after trailing going into the final ten minutes was a three-two victory over England at the Kennington Oval in eighteen eighty nine. So literally none of us literally none of us have seen Scotland do that before. I think that's why the Griff thing was is so poignant because we almost did it against England again. Yeah. Hmm. We, we none of us have seen Scotland change a defeat into a victory in a flash no. at the end of a game before. None of us. No. Do you know I'd add a add a different reaction and I'll I'll risk being candid with you. But um so you you both know that I've had a, a difficult spell, three years or whatever, and I, I won't go into it, but just, you know, um, for listeners that don't know, a, a difficult uh, health, um, you know, got a brain tumour basically, and then life went uh, tits up, as the saying goes. But so, but see, throughout this um, spell, uh, Scotland have, have really been the glue, I said it at the start, and I, I'm not being overly sentimental. I mean, I always love Scotland, but then my kids... I've I've grown up over these three years, and they come to the games now. So, I I'll be perfectly honest with you. I I shed a wee tear when we started. Like I I wasn't like screaming yes or whatever. I just thought I I can't believe this is happening. Like I actually can't. I couldn't get my head around it. You know, like it, it felt to me like the way you know we we played so amazingly against Denmark, and Adam scored that goal. And when that went in, I remember just looking at my brother like, "What's going on? Like we are." We're like Brazil, like this is, but we're Scotland, you know, but we're good. Like the thing that I can't get over is just we're pound for pound, we're, we're worth these victories, you know, like we're, we're not just, it's not just hot air, like we've worked really yeah. hard for them. And, and, the, and we've, sorry, Anders, this, this is a fair point because it's not like Norway had t- eight or 10 shots on target last night and we were fortunate to only be uh, one nil down. They they created yeah. very very little, and then we took our chances that came along. There's more than one way to win a football game. We defended well, reduced them to a penalty, and then when our chances came at the end, you will get a chance. And when they came, we took them. So you, the people can say, "Oh, I, I disagree with how Scotland played tonight." You know, um, had no attacking threat, and that's true. Granted, we we didn't really break the lines well. We didn't look like we had a goal in us. We didn't create any chances. But we stopped and restricted their biggest threat, the best striker in the world and one of the best playmakers in Europe, restricted them to absolutely nothing. And then we were able to take two chances when they came along. Like that that is, in my opinion, yeah. more than des- a more than a deserving way to win a football game. I, th- I think, uh, sorry, just on that, uh, tactically what I found interesting, and I mean, I'm a complete lame with this as well, but I enjoy it, was that Dykes was doing a power of work somebody touched in the, the running dykes to but uh to to make sure that Berg didn't get the the ball, you know, out of defence. He was just on him like glue because Steve Clark had done his homework and knew that Norway try and play through the lines and as soon as they get to Berg, then they're dangerous. But we, we closed the gaps and we made it really tight, which meant that there was we pushed really high up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also left space in behind because that, that's what we're trying to close you know, as the 10 players on the pitch to be as close to each other as possible so that they couldn't play through. And Dykes had to do so much mm-hmm. checking over his shoulder and just, you know, you could see them constantly talking to each other and working so hard. That's why it was such a shame when, you know, we conceded from a dive, from a, from a penalty, because that was the only way they were going to score, um, it seemed. And, you know, uh, Dykes did a real, real job on, on Berg not getting the the ball out because he he's um I think you said Andy you're surprised he was at uh on a, I Bodo Glint isn't it and I, yeah. I was really for him against Celtic but uh then uh, here's the thing like John McGinn's a captain of Aston Villa Aston Villa are really good John McGinn's really good so Odegaard didn't look over his shoulder John McGinn receives a ball in a half turn plays the ball through and Dykes is running onto it it was just 
it was everything that Yanaga Fyotov said, which was just how do you get people to be that switched on, to work that hard for each other? He was he was amazed by it, you know? So, yeah, they've got the superstars, but actually what we've got is we can't buy. It's just, it's just another quick word on Dykes before we move on, Gordon, because I want to put something to you. Um, Dykes keeps up his impressive ratio. That's his ninth Scotland goal in 29 caps. That's good going for an international striker. He actually hasn't been scoring all that often since his uh, hot streak at the end of World Cup 22 qualifying. So in the last yep. 18 months, Dykes has scored in only two games for us. That double against Ukraine and last night against Norway. So in 18 months, he missed a camp with a, he missed last summer's camp with a thigh injury, but he's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine games. In his last nine games, he's scored in two of them, uh, granted one of them a double against Ukraine. So, um, he has cooled down from that hot streak he had uh, at the tail end of 2021, but everything he brings to the squad is absolutely superb on and off the pitch. And I actually wonder now if he is our first choice striker ahead of Adams, should they both be fit and should Clark want to play the 3-4-2-1 setup? So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Um, Gordon, uh, one for you, because I know you feel quite passionately about this. Uh, I like to get uh, listener engagement. So David Colvin, um, regular listener, says, I'm not sure if this is too late, but the social media storm when Kenny McLean was subbed on followed by a million <laughs> apologies. And this is quite good because there's a tweet here on the BBC website from a guy called Gareth, uh, at Gareth1874, um, made at 6.40pm last night. Uh, Steve Clark's substitutions are always an absolute embarrassment. 1-0 down and we've brought in two centre-backs and a defensive midfielder. Uh, Christy, who admittedly wasn't great, Christy, and Dykes, who have stunk out the gaff all night, still on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Kenny McLean winning goal, Gordon, the floor is yours. Yeah, I think, look, Christ, you, you just, you're so, so pleased for a guy like Kenny McLean. And I think, it, again, it speaks to this, it speaks to the sense of collective purpose that Steve Clark has created. The You talk about the club-like mentality, you just talk about the, the group that he has created, because... Kenny McLean's been in in around squads basically since Steve Clark took over and he's always turned up and he's always been there. He's obviously a really important and really respected part of the part of the team, part of the group, whether he's playing very often or whether he's not. He's always the guy that when you see when the score gets announced, you read through the replies, he's always the one, oh, how come Kenny McLean's still getting a call up, blah, blah, blah. But again, if you look back at the actual, the way that he's contributed to this the success and the growth of this team under Steve Clark, you know, let's not forget he scored the winning penalty against Israel. He mm-hmm. scored a penalty in Serbia, and now he's scored one of the most important goals of our recent 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 years. And in the middle of that, he obviously really really guttingly missed Euro twenty twenty with a bad injury. So he obviously would have been in that squad had he been fit. So I think you're so delighted for him. And, and and again, you know, I think it was a uh, it was Stuart McKinley who's a real uh, a real tartan army diehard who tweeted about the fact that it was obviously McLean and Dykes who were the scorers. Their seasons in the, in the English Championship ended at the beginning of beginning of May ish. They, they they ended about more 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 than a month ago. And the fact that they've kept themselves fit, they've had their own training camps, they went to the Spain training camp, and now they're here. They could have easily said, "I fancy going on holiday," and they didn't. And this is what they've they've delivered, and that speaks to how <laughs> how important they want to be contributing to the Scotland team. So just just delighted for them, absolutely delighted. Was, when I when I spoke to McLean for uh, the book um, about the journey to Euro twenty twenty, I asked him about his goal in San Marino. He scored the opener in that game when McLeish and the team and the board were just getting constant abuse from from the support in San Marino. And McLean said that when he thinks of that game, his goal isn't what he thinks of. He thinks of the kind of environment and the toxicity of um, being in, being on the park when all this was being chanted and sung towards the SFA and the team were getting booed. And he, and he said, he was, I, I feel quite sad that my first goal is overshadowed by, or my only Scotland goal to that point is overshadowed by my, my worst memories from the game. And I don't think mm-hmm. anything can can top how he's managed to <laughs> outweigh that really. Um maybe his 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 penalty against Serbia if if that was the one that had won it rather than Marshall's save, perhaps. Uh but yeah, last night and just how quickly it happened, Andy, 
Um, was it about about Gordon about thirty seconds of in play time between it was it was a minute forty four between yep. the two goals. A lot of that will have been celebration. So between kick off and the goal going in again, it was about thirty seconds or so. Pretty much, yeah. There was there was there was a really good video that I found on Twitter when someone someone from the crowd had been celebrate filming the celebrations for the first goal and then just kept running and you can hear the referee's whistle go. And it is roughly 30, 35 seconds wow. between that and the second goal going in, which just shows you just how, yeah, unreal. <laughs> the, quite quite is, a lot. Is, oh, sorry, and then on you go. No, no, it's, it's unreal is a great word for it. Yeah. Um, sorry, on you go. I think quite a lot of the listener engagement here is questioning about what to do if Tierney's out. Uh, he was subbed yesterday, Tierney, before the madness kicked off. Yeah, and we did go to a back four. And we well, we won the game with the back four. Dominic Hyam came on to make his debut. Always good to see another player um, get a cap under his belt. Do you think that there is an opportunity here to continue, Gordon, with that back four uh, and Andy against Georgia? Or do you think it will be a case of maybe Cooper coming in left centre-back and continuing with the same shit? Um, I... I don't think he'll change it. I think we'll start with a back three, um, just purely for consistency. Um, I think KT is such a good player that, you know, we can't, re- we can't replicate what he does. Um, because, you know, if you bring in Cooper, you bring in Hyam, they're not going to underlap Andy Robertson. They're not going to, you know, overlap. They're not going to do what Kieran Tierney does. They're not going to get that assist against Spain, you know, but, um, I think what it might mean is that we bring in, and I'm, it's an interesting one here. But then I was thinking, right, so how do we, how do we get? Because what Tierney's been doing is like carrying the ball over halfway. He's like the, the left centre back who who brings the ball out, dribbling or can break through the lines dribbling. And then I'm like, okay, so what do we do? Do we just look for McGregor and like everything goes through McGregor? I wonder if he'll. Either play Kenny McLean or Billy Gilmore alongside McGregor. And I think he'll play McGinn right wing and McTominay will play, obviously. So that means who am I leaving out there at midfield? Christy. Uh, Christy, that's who I think will drop out. Um, and I think we might go to a double pivot and it might change that way just to give us, you know, to, so that we can get out of defence and we're not um, we're not getting trapped and Billy Gilmore and McGregor might, because we'll see a lot of the ball against Georgia. Um, I don't think we should underestimate them at all, but I think we'll see a lot of the ball against them. So um, Gilmore and McGregor might be the two that just help us get through those lines like you were saying earlier, um, because you won't have that burst from Tierney to, to go down the left-hand side. But that's just my... That's just what I think. Steve Clark will get it right. <laughs> What do, you, what do you reckon, Gordon? Do you think the, the, the shape will stay the same or do you think people will, or, or Clark will people please for once and, and decide to go for the four? Yeah, oh God, again, like as 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 Andy says there, I think in obviously in Steve Clark we trust. I think a lot of it will come down to really just assessing how the players are after that. I mean, you can't underestimate how much of a power of work that was last night in the 32 degree heat. You know, that was a playing for the most of the game without the ball. That was a really, really, really hard shift. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few changes coming into Tuesday night. But yeah, but then again as well, you know, bear in mind when um, when Dom Hyam came on, we then went back to a three at the back uh, at the end of the game. So we went, went from a three to a four, mm-hmm. then back to a three. So <clears throat> I, I, whatever way we start, we've, we've also shown that we can be tactically flexible to change it in a split second in a game with one or two changes. So... I I wouldn't want to predict, to be honest, uh, what we'll go with. But I'm just I'm just excited. I'm just so excited. Um, and I think if <laughs> yep. we had, if we if we if we weren't going to come on to it, I, I do want to give a specific shout out to uh, to the captain Andy Robertson, who I mm-hmm. think that was probably one of his best games in a Scotland jersey last night. I thought everything about him playing out of tight spaces, leading us up the pitch, getting forward, his delivery into the box was for the large part good uh, yeah I just thought he was he was brilliant for us and he got us out of some really sticky situations when we were really penned in so yeah Andy Robertson great game 
Um, totally with you on that. Gordon was actually going to come on to that at some point. I, I feel that it was a good driving force for us. He had a bit of impetus that we didn't seem to have all too often in the first half. He was keen to take us up the park. Um, it just yeah. the rest of the team hadn't really caught up with him at I that think, point. Yeah. I think. I think to be honest, part of it was uh, part of it was the referee didn't seem to fancy John McGinn at all, and he was not really. Yeah. There were the amount of times that John McGinn would do what John McGinn does, where he takes the ball in, sticks his arse out, gets a bump in the back, goes down. It just wasn't getting fouls that way. So I think we didn't have that outlet to bring us up the pitch as much as much as we can normally rely on. So yeah, Andy was able to step up in that regard. Just a word ahead of Tuesday, lads, because the table doesn't lie. Georgia are certainly more of a concern to us than Norway now. They are five points behind us. Georgia, they have won one, lost one, and drawn one. I'll just double check that, but I'm sure that is the case. No, it's just a win and a draw. We've only played no, two. Yeah, sorry, two. That's right. But they have four points. Yeah. So uh, two games for Georgia, uh, one win, one draw, four points. They will be right up for this on Tuesday. This is a point made in the mentions by Richie. Georgia are second in the group and will be more up for Tuesday now. Um, so please, Scotland, just go out and do the job and we will have one foot in Germany. Important to consider this here, Gordon, that, yes, we have history with Georgia. This group of players don't, but we as a fan base and a country do. This is a game that uh, we, we really need to win, but we need to consider Georgia's position now because they can go two points behind us if, if, they, if they win, and they will fancy themselves the challenge for second spot in the group. And not only that, they can go two points behind us with a game in hand. As well, so yes, they 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 have they have had a, they've had a good start to the group. Um, obviously, they would have been very happy with the with the draw against Norway, and then obviously winning in Cyprus uh, last night is 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 also a good result. Um, yeah, you're right; they they will be absolutely bang up for this. But I think again, the thing that's impressed me the most about this Steve Clark side is that they don't seem to they're not burdened by the the weight of history. Like maybe previous teams have been, they they have they have gone to places and done things that no Scotland teams have done before them. They've, you know, they have qualified for major finals. They've won penalty shootouts. They've finished second in the qualifying group for the first time in decades. They've beaten higher seeds away from home. They've beaten top seeds at home. <laughs> you know, they they quite clearly believe in themselves and each other that they can just go and deliver. And you know, again, we look back to I remember this was something that Andy. You, you spoke at, at length about after the, the Cyprus game was that I was so impressed in the post-match interviews with, with McGinn when he was saying that, yeah, we won 3-0, but we were pretty poor. <laughs> we're going to need to be a lot better if we want to go and do things. And I couldn't have been happier hearing that after a 3-0 win because I completely agreed. And they went out and they raised the bar and they beat Spain. And now they've gone and beaten Norway. So this team know exactly what they need to go and do. Georgia, I cliche there's no such thing as an easy game in international football they're an okay side they've got a couple of very good players but we've got a lot of good players as well and we'll have a full stadium so look I've got full confidence that we'll go out there and we will treat this very 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 seriously they will know that last night was good but it won't be good until we do it on Tuesday yeah yeah that's 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 exactly the, the point Gordon last night's win only means something if we capitalize on it by meeting expectation against Georgia now, now that we have exceeded it by winning in Norway. We need to keep our end of the bargain and and deal with Georgia at home to make sure that those three points gained are a, are an extra in this camp and not the bare minimum. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a quick word on uh, Georgia. They have uh, Vici Varitskelia, who plays for Napoli, 14 goals and 17 assists in Serie A for the champions this season. So obviously a great player that they have in their ranks. This the standout, the sort of the, the Gareth Bale sort of vibe that we have yearned for for ages, uh, where a, mm. uh, a peripheral nation has a superstar. Um, they certainly have one. Uh, looking at the rest of their squad, it's, it's hard to really qual- qualify it. The, it seems to be like a Europa League, Conference League sort of group, but you know when they come together, they might perform above the sum of their above the sum of their parts. Maybe some people would argue that we've done that in this group so far, for example. So they, they might have a really good collective team spirit and quality as well, running through a bunch of the the teams that are represented in the uh, the Georgia squad, Shakhtar, Donetsk, uh, Red Star, Belgrade, Cremonese, 
Apple, Nicosia, Dinamo Moscow, Bordeaux, Les Poznan, uh, hmm. Metz and France. Andy, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're, as Scots, we're daft enough to assume that we should be beating anybody. No. But the, uh, the, the evidence is there, not just on the, the current group standings, but the teams that are represented by the Georgian players that, you know, they, they, they clearly cannot be uh, taken for granted. And, OK, we've beaten no. Norway. We've beaten Norway. We'll, we'll deal with Georgia now and that'll be that. Absolutely. And I really am with Gordon. I don't think that we will. I don't think this, this squad of players have come too far. They keep referencing the fact that they're not there yet. And we've got we've got a game, you know, that every single player and Steve Park, when they were interviewed afterwards, said, oh, we're in the ice baths because, you know, we need to get a plane and then we need to go and prepare for Tuesday. And that was, as a fan, that's what you want to hear because I think all of us were delirious, um, just happiness, but also were, were wary of, of Georgia. And that, that you made a good point with um, Kravatskelia, is that exactly? Yeah. I mean, he, he absolutely destroyed James Tavernier in the Champions League, uh, who we would rate as a very, very good right back, you know. Um, and that James Tavernier himself was a captain of a club who got to a Euro, European final. So, um, but he, he made him look amateur at times, you know. He was that good, and I, I think that international football is funny because your big players in international football, these world class players. They do. They do tend to define games. Like Lewandowski came to Hamden, scored twice. Um, you know, Shevchenko's come and scored in the past. It always seems to be that the big players actually do step up in international football, and they are world class for a reason. And so that's why I I, I didn't say this earlier, but I, I do think Clark will play three at the back because of Pravat Skelia. Easy for me to say because then we can double up on him. Um, if not, then uh, as good uh, a defender as Aaron Hickey is, um, I wouldn't want to see anybody one on one with him. You know, so I think that if if we do have a back three, then whoever's playing right centre back will be able to come across and and help Hickey out. So yes, I think that Georgia are a good side. Um, the group doesn't lie. We've got a world class player, but I don't think we're going to be overawed. And I think we're going to believe in ourselves and trust our own game. And in front of a full house at Hamden, I, I'm going to say I can't see anything else in the Scotland win. You know, I think we should win this game. And 12 out of 12 will be... I'll be booking my tickets to Germany if we get 12 out of 12. Well, well I, will, um, I, will, I, will, I will say to you guys, though, that this, this is the opportunity to make history because someone told me today that Scotland have never started a qualifying group with four wins from four. The last time we started with three wins from three was Euro 2008 qualifying when we beat Faroes, Lithuania, then France. But that was in a group where we had to play 12 matches in qualifying. This is only eight. So after Tuesday night, we're halfway there. The, the BBC have put a wee bit together here on the lay of the land. So this is all assuming that we do beat Georgia. So um, it says here... Despite sitting fourth in the table, the Norwegians are still Scotland's biggest threat for a top two finish at this stage. I'm not sure about that anymore. Um, and it says that's assuming Spain also progress and Georgia don't maintain their impressive start, which is very possible they might do. So Saturday's seismic win ensures Norway can now only reach a maximum of 16 points. If the Scots go and beat Georgia at Hamden on Tuesday, they will be on 12 at a halfway point. So five points from the final four subsequent qualifiers would guarantee we'd finish above Norway. Uh, and then hopefully Georgia would fall away at some point as well. And we have them in the second last game uh, away from home. So, yeah, I mean, we're in an absolutely brilliant position. There was a question in the mentions. Let me just find it here. Yeah, from Cameron, uh, Cameron AFC. Where does this rank in terms of important away wins? Best since Fadi, best best since Fadi in, in Paris. I know that we beat Croatia away from home, but the group was done and dusted at that point. Uh, Austria, was the Serbia uh, no, because it was a, a like a one-off event. I would say rather than a group ah, stage yeah. game. Uh, Austria one 0 
was big. I think this outweighs that, the fashion of it. Um, Norway, I'm not sure if they're a better side than Austria or not, but it certainly felt scarier playing away to Norway than Austria. What, what do you guys reckon? Yeah, I would, I would completely, I would completely back that. I think Austria, Austria was a was a huge result at the time because we were obviously coming out the back of the Euros. We then lost in Denmark, uh, and we were on, we we were potentially wobbling. We were really that that was one of those moments. And there's been a few in Steve Clark's reign where you know, in, in different eras under different managers and different groups, the wheels could have fallen off at that point, and they didn't. And we put together that run of of six wins in a row, which was incredible, but it was the Austria one that was the one that really got things moving and thinking, right, we can, it, it, it gave us the, the the playoff place for the World Cup. It put that playoff place in our own hands and we never let it go after that. But I think last night ranks higher because it puts automatic qualification for a major finals in our hands. And I've always said all, all along that the progression under Steve Clark has been clear and year on year there's been more achievements and more more things being uh being ticked off that we've been getting better and better like you start with getting to the euros people said ah but you got in through the back door through the nation's league fine we then finish second in a world cup qualifying group for the first time in decades get to a playoff that's progression then we win our nation's league group that's progression get promoted to league a for the first time ever and then we come into this group and automatic qualification is the is the goal and if we achieve that that's progression again and then you look at, you know, let's not look too far ahead, but maybe a question for you guys, but if this team goes to the Euros next summer and goes to Germany and becomes the first Scotland side to get to a knockout stage, does this make them the best Scotland side of all time? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you were, depending on the context of that, yeah, I would... I would say it'd be hard to disagree. If, if we yeah. managed if, if we managed to have a, a, a run, especially a run at the Euros, because bear in mind that the Euros now have 16 teams that go into... So teams who finish third, yeah. So yeah. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'd get some people that would think, oh, well, if you go to the knockouts but you only finish third, that doesn't count. But still, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that to go where no Scotland side has gone before, when you consider the context of... Scotland sides of the past with genuine legends, world legends of world football, your Douglas's Laws, Sunis, Jordan, Bremner, Hansen, McQueen, etc. Those sides, as good as they were, never went to the knockouts of a major finals. And if this Scotland team can do that, they deserve to rank among among the best of all time. Yeah, no, yeah, hard, hard to disagree. Just on Gordon McQueen, they're actually sad loss this week. Um, Gordon McQueen mm. passing away. I heard on the radio uh, yesterday his last goal for Scotland was in that same stadium. Yeah, in Oslo. Yeah, and yeah. I will. I love. Um, I've got to give. I've got to give a shout out to the all the Scottish FA guy, all the Scottish FA team, the content team, the comms team, who have been absolutely churning out the content uh, from pre-camp in Spain, from training camp, from the match. It's just been brilliant to see it's taken us there uh, it's been absolutely wonderful and the particular one that really got me going was the the hype video that went out on Friday night before the game uh, it, was, it, was, it was like it's the, it's, the, it's that time again it's Scotland time yeah. again and they dropped in one of the first clips you saw was McQueen scoring against England at Wembley which was mm. a very a very poignant uh, tribute to the great man absolutely so Tuesday at well, I better check. Shockingly, I don't know. Quarter to eight, eight o'clock. Wait, what time do you have a set of kickoffs these days? It'll be seven forty-five. Seven forty-five. Cool. Yeah. Well, if, if 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 we can get past, I, I don't want to get past. Sounds like you know there is a huge hurdle, and there will be a hurdle. But if we can deal with Georgia as we're expected to, twelve points from twelve, as Gordon says, the first. Scotland team, the Scotland men's team anyway, I'm not sure if the women have done it, the first Scotland's men team to have done that uh, ever. Would you guys allow yourselves to start hypothetically planning for a trip to Germany? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I've, 12 points, yeah, I've 12 said points that, from 12, you would. Yeah, I've said on Tuesday, um, after the game there, my, my wife turned to me and she was like, Germany, and I'm like, wait until Tuesday. Um, <laughs> because you know, like we 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 hundred percent are all on board. This a road trip. I'll I'll shut the business down. You know, I'll like we'll, we'll, we're going to do it. So you know, we've known one another a long time. 
Um, my wife and I are 20 years or something like that, and um, which makes me feel very old. Uh, but, you know, we, we watched Faddy School together and, and stuff like that. And it felt then that we were going to go to a major tournament. And she's always known that when she's been with me, I've been like, if Scotland get to a major tournament, I am going. And she's like, great. And then it became, we are going. And then two mm-hmm. of us became five is, so that it became significantly more expensive. So now it's like, right, we we are going, we'll just drive and we'll just follow the team around and kind of do what we can to get there. Because, oh, I, yeah, Tuesday night, man, can't come soon enough. I just I cannot wait. And there's a fan zone as well. Brilliant, a fan zone. Actually, Gordon, yeah. what's, what's, what's involved in that, Gordon? Yeah, so what they're doing is, so it's a, the Scottish FA are putting on, it's, it's something of a pilot project uh so it'll be interesting to see how it goes down uh, on tuesday night and then hopefully they'll they'll do do more of these so in the the purple car park which for fans that know so that's on the east side of hamden that's uh opposite the road from tory glen uh football center there's going to be a fan zone there uh kids are welcome kids age five plus are welcome it's first come first serve uh, but they're limited to 500 people so kicks off from half past four on Tuesday afternoon. So if you're planning on getting down, get down nice and early. Uh, there'll be music. Uh, I just saw a tweet that Pat and Evans going to be there on stage. Uh, Lewis Irons is hosting. There'll be music, uh, players, etc. So really cool, really, really, really cool to see the Scottish FA uh, invest in this sort of thing. That kind of almost like a tailgate party type type idea. And brilliant! What 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 a great idea! Um, and I will I will I will say just just on the on the Euro twenty four point. I think. You know, obviously, we didn't want to, to, to the extent that beggars can't be choosers, you know, you can't be picky about the major finals you go to. But I think, obviously, a lot of Scotland fans would not have dreamed of returning to a major finals at Euro 2020 when, for the reasons it was, it was host cities, not a host nation. And then obviously throw a pandemic in there as well. It just wasn't quite what we all had dreamed it might have been. And the fact that Euro 2024 in Germany, an incredible country to go to, incredible stadiums, incredible infrastructure. The Tartan mm-hmm. Army, the Tartan Army deserves this trip a hundred percent. And I was in, uh, I was lucky enough to be in Eindhoven a couple of weeks ago for the Women's Champions League final through work, and I was telling all the UEFA people that I was meeting that they need to prepare for the Tartan Army <laughs> in Germany next summer because it will be incredible to see tens of thousands of us over there. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, yeah, so look, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere on Tuesday. I think the the, the support and the players, everybody will, will just be even more energised than we were after Scott McTominay's double against Spain uh, to, to be coming into this off the back of two goals in a minute to win in probably our most crucial fixture of the group um, away from home to Norway. And after a relatively quiet and uninspiring performance, certainly in possession, we limit two of the continent's best players to little more than nibbles and turn the game around in the blink of an eye. There's absolutely sensational stuff and it's been a pleasure reliving it the day after. Uh, So, Gordon, Andy, thanks very much for coming on and we'll be back on... Wednesday, I would imagine we'll find some time to chat on Wednesday uh, with a couple more guests. Regardless of what happens against Georgia, hopefully we're talking about a fourth win from four games and being well on our way to Euro 2024. Sports Social Podcast Network.